Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. In our last program, Brother Brad Wells, pastor of Graceway Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., related the story of his call to our nation's capital while deployed in missions to the western highlands of Papua New Guinea. It's a fascinating and enlightening story. If you missed it, you'll certainly want to go back and catch that program. Today, we pick right up where we left off last time with the arrival of the Wells family in Washington, D.C. Once we finish unpacking this new calling, Brother Brad provides a bit of contrast between these two fields of service, including an analysis of the different spiritual climates. We proceed to discuss some of the doors of utterance and ministry the Lord has opened unto the Wells family on Capitol Hill, and some of the progress and prospects for Graceway Baptist Church. Thank you again for tuning in to this second part of the interview with Brother Brad Wells on church planting in Washington, D.C. Nobody was there to pick us up at the airport. We went to the hotel. That next week, we went and bought some, some <laughs> a soccer ball and a baseball and a frisbee, and we went and a football, I think, and went went to the park and I said, "Kids, make a friend." And that's how we started our church. Amazing. <laughs> I'm wondering how what what sort of feedback, what kind of response did you get from your uh, from supporting churches? It's, I mean, this is probably a narrative that most <laughs> most mission-supporting churches have not heard quite like this. It's an yeah. interesting transition. Sure. So I called all of our supporting uh, pastors and talked to them. And pastors are hard to get a hold of. <laughs> and sure. now that I am a pastor, I know why. <laughs> right. But I, I told them my story, probably somewhat similar without all the theatrics and emotion, maybe, uh, to them. And um, and all but just a few said, oh, this is so exciting. Go get them. Amen. A few of them said, well, we'll support you till you get here. But we've heard this song and dance before. And as soon as you arrive, we're going to cut off your support. I said, well, all right, okay. And uh, God blessed. God blessed the whole way. And David said, I have been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Amen. And so if I could just speak to the ears now of whoever's uh, listening, and, and maybe you're feeling that God's calling you to something. and I think you ought to plan. Planning is good. Joseph prepared and saved Egypt and the world. And Daniel uh, was a great planner. An administrator and God uses that but in planning in administrating never overlook trust faith confidence and hope in the Lord that is above and transcends everything else amen I appreciate you, you you've you've really walked us through um, a lot of different factors that were uh, that were present that that went into uh, such a significant transition for your family and for your ministry, uh, a number of different things that came to bear. But ultimately, just as uh, Noah sort of, he checked things out. He sent some birds out to find out what right. was going on outside right. of that ark. 
but he still waited. Yes. Ultimately, yes. he got a word from, from God yeah. as to the timing for him to make his exit. That's and right. that ultimately is what it takes. You cannot, you really can't take that supernatural factor out because, oh. because it's a supernatural work. And uh, That's and, the greatest need. That's what the whole world wants to see. They have everybody has religion. Sure. Even the atheists have religion. Sure. They want to see not do you believe in God, but does God believe in you? Have you heard from God? And everybody can see it. They can see it. It's and it's not that there aren't some calcul that that there aren't some variables that you're working with in the background. It's not that there are no calculations made. It's just that ultimately the calculus is not the basis of these big decisions. It is faith. And 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 if you don't have confidence that it's God moving you, boy, you you <laughs> that's no good. That's no good. That's no good. Because this is just the first step, and you can't cheat here because there's another class. You <laughs> sure. can't cheat there. It's just you don't want to be a cheater. Sure. Uh, because. What you have to trust God for today will be the foundation of what he asks you to trust God for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So the Christian life is all a light of trust. So to the lost man, God calls out to them and he says, trust me, trust me. And to the baby Christian, God says, trust me. And to the maturing Christian, God says, trust me. And to the mature Christian, trust me. And to the aged Christian, trust me. At every level, we never graduate from the school of trust. Now we get promoted. Sure. And blessed. And the Christian life doesn't get easier. It just gets better. Amen. So you've already visited this question of cultural adaptation. You, you've, you've, yes. you've addressed that in the conversation. And most of our attention to... Uh, cultural adaptation in the realm of missions is we're we're treating this as as men and women and families prepare to go to uh, foreign cultures from America, uh, such as your family did many years ago when they went to New Guinea. Um, but you had quite a an adaptation to make on the return as well, sure. um, and your children uh, perhaps even more so. Because some of your children, New Guinea was basically the only home that they had ever known uh, right. in, in any kind of long-term sense. So, um, what was that ad- adaptation uh, like? What can you what can you tell us about um, uh, what is sometimes called reverse culture shock? What, what was that like for your family? When we first came in, of course, we saw the the great differences and. We had a foreigner feeling in New Guinea, even though my, my children, in 17 years, we took two, two furloughs. Wow. So we were, we were there. We were ingrained, entrenched. But there was not a full acceptance. We did not completely identify. We didn't look like. We didn't live like. We didn't act like. Our people now. Honestly, if I could go back, I think I would. I would adapt more. Hmm. I would. I would have less Americanism and Westernized things. I would adapt more. However, 
we were pretty integrated uh, with our people. And um, and when we came to D.C., we've in, uh, integrated just as much as we possibly can. And the things that we can't because of biblical standards and spiritual rules and our own conscience, we wrestle with. And honestly, that's a big wrestling. It's a wrestling. Because we say, all right, if we compromise here, we could reach more people over here. But once you compromise your conscience, you're done. Because you cut out that spiritual element. Without the spiritual element, we have no purpose. And it's just desire. And I think we emphasize too much what I want and what I like. That that really should be a forbidden word. It, <laughs> it's not my will, but thine, O Lord. And so I, I wear a suit because that's the culture of D.C. And how silly of me f- to even allow it in into my mind. I like wearing a suit or I don't like wear. That's what I wear. That's that's what you do. And uh, so one of my jobs on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I go into Congress and I work as a uh, congressional chaplain. And I walk. Now, I walked in New Guinea a lot. <laughs> sure. But not near as much as I walk in D.C. That's interesting. So I walk the halls of Congress Tuesday and Wednesday. That's what I do. All day. And so it's... Not unusual to walk 10 miles. Wow. To walk 15 miles in one yeah, on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Wow. So that's my job, just to keep walking, go from office to office to office, um, find people in the hallway. And if you stand or sit, now all of a sudden you can be perceived as a, a lobbyist, somebody that you're trying to avoid. Okay somebody that's hanging out waiting for you inactive and I believe that God wants his people to be fervent fervent and so I strive to be that on Capitol Hill Amen well contrast for us if you would the demographic okay go from uh, go from your people as you've described them in New Guinea yeah to to now your people in D.C. because there is quite a contrast. There's a there's an incredible contrast. Uh, both places have great resources. Now, uh, New Guinea has an incredible wealth of resources, but like most people, you you overlook what you what your surroundings are, and you think of what everyone else has. Right. New Guinea is a wealthy, wealthy land, but unusually poor unusually poor. Uh, Haiti is said to be the poorest nation in the northern hemisphere, New Guinea the poorest in the southern hemisphere. It doesn't need to be that way. Both places have incredible, incredible wealth. Now, D.C. actually is a swamp, but it's the seat of government. It's the great city of power. Um, Maybe L.A. would be the seat, the great city of entertainment, and New York would be the great city of, I don't know, styles and fashion and Wall Street and finance. D.C. is the the seat of power. and The United States is broken up into 435 uh, districts and there is a representative from each of those districts called a a House member. Uh, And they are um, 
a part of Congress. And of course, each state, each of our 50 states have two representatives, and they're part of the Senate. And together, that makes that 535 representatives and their staff, which usually comes from their district. And they're all there. So D.C. is a melting pot, the greatest melting pot the world's ever seen by design. But it doesn't have natural wealth. There's there's really nothing. All they do is come together and, and make these laws. So um, my job in D.C. is to meet people and talk to people. Because it's a melting pot, because it is a place of power and money and uh, potential, people come to D.C. Um, for a season to make progress in their career. So the seven branches of the military are there. Uh, the 535 offices of Congress, of course, are there. Um, of course, the the White House and the administration and all, all those seats of power are, of course, there. But nobody intends to be there. You, one of my questions that I always ask people is, where are you from? Where are you from? And they're from all over these all over the place. Because of that, people have their guard up. So one of my first steps is to put down my guard and try to communicate to people and get them to take their guard down. Without them taking their guard down, no progress will be made. And If your guard is up, they're not going to take their guard down. So just communicating with people and initiating conversation and overcoming awkwardness of meeting new people. So you're, um, you're in a, a, a tribally divided place in, in New Guinea and, and now in a extremely politically polarized place in Washington, D.C. And, and in New Guinea, you also, there is a manifest influence of spiritual darkness yeah. where these, these people are knowingly in many cases interacting with sorcery and witchcraft and so forth um, but uh, in the west we might not uh, we might not frequent uh, witch doctors but that's not to say that the forces of darkness are not are not quite present and active so what do you uh, how would you describe the spiritual climate of our nation's capital and um, what kind of response are you seeing to your evangelistic and your spiritual labors uh, there in D.C.? Ephesians chapter 6 talks specifically about um, standing. The Christian is to stand against the forces of darkness. Wherever there is power, the devil works there. The devil works in the seats of power. Yes. If there's not power there's often not the greater presence of the devil. The devil doesn't really work in the bars so much, in the strip clubs, in the pornography industry. The devil, that's not the devil's domain. He's got that wrapped up. That's yeah. wrapped up. And, and specifically, that is the flesh. That is the sure. enemy of the flesh. And it is corrupt enough. So places where you see the most obvious corruption often are not the domain of 
our enemy. The places of refinement, of power, of potential and progress is often where the devil works. I think the devil works some of his greatest miracles in churches. And I think the devil would love nothing better than to get in the pulpit. That's where the devil likes to work. Because the church is what God uses. It's the pillar and the ground of the truth. The truth is what changes lives and changes minds. The devil seeks to undermine the the place of spiritual power. And one of the most efficient and effective places of spiritual power, for good or bad, is the pulpit. And so a word spoken from the Bible by a submitted heart and a faithful mouth can transform, can save a soul. But a compromised word from an unsubmitted, rebellious heart and mouth could damn a soul. So actually, I think the devil likes to work not from the gutter, but from the pulpit. Now, there's three great powers that God has set up. That is the home. And the devil wants to infiltrate the home, oftentimes through entertainment. That is the church. I think the devil wants to infiltrate the church through his greatest temptation. Now think about the temptation he gave to Eve. It wasn't a temptation to fall down. It was ye shall be as God. It was a temptation to step up. The devil tempts to step up through rebellion. Now, we fall down on our own because of the first uh, fall of man. And so that's in our DNA now. And the third element is is the government. And those last two, the church and the government, is where the devil hangs out. And um, I think we give the devil too much credit. Sure. And we we think of the the bad end of town, and and here's these people that are just ruined. Usually, that ruining is their own work. I think we give the devil too much credit for that. See, the devil works in pride. And pride happens as we think we're something that we're not. We're purporting ourselves as something that we're not. So I would say that there is more spiritual darkness and satanic power to stand against in the church and in the governmental places of power, centers of power, than any remote area with witch doctors and Um, people that have been stripped of everything. Um, Now, God loves everybody. He wants to save everybody. But the the greatest oppression, the most wickedness and darkness is, is compromised churches and bloated governments. And you've actually got both of those present in a in a significant way right there in D.C. Uh, I, I guess we as uh, 
we as Christians might be tempted to to perceive uh, DC as uh, more secular than perhaps uh, much of the rest of the country, and perhaps that is true because of the the academic piece there in DC. Uh, but there's also a form of liberal Christianity that's just absolutely rotten to the core. That's yeah. that's very that's probably more widely represented in DC than perhaps the rest of the country that is as right. well. That is right. So uh, I think that Ephesians chapter six talks about how we are to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles—that's the tricks. That's the deceit. Sure. In other words, it doesn't look bad. But it is bad. And so I think even though D.C. claims to be a very secularized city, and I've, I've talked to many, many developers, and the plan for D.C. and all of, our, of America's cities is the secularization of these cities sure. and getting the churches out. And churches, you can exist out in the suburbs, but the cities are secularized. But that is just a pretense. They are the spiritual hubs, the satanic spiritual hubs. They have no intention of secularizing. I think the devil's plan, part A is deny God. Part B is exalt himself as God. The devil does not want to stay in hiding. He's hiding right now as he's trying to get people secularized. But he wants them spiritualized and satanic. That's his end goal. That is, yes, and that spirit of Antichrist, that it's present in the secularization of, of America because yeah. you cannot secularize human beings because we are spiritual. It is a part of our Constitution. Yes, written on our hearts. Absolutely, yeah. So you've been, you in, in the course of your ministry in D.C., you rub shoulders with uh, politicians, politicians, uh, Lobbyists, military brass, yeah. um, lawyers, law students. Uh, what? Do you, what? What? Um, what is the response uh, that that you get to your efforts to to, to minister to those folks spiritually? Um, and do you see many opportunities to to get some some traction in those conversations to introduce the gospel and uh, try to be a vocal? Um, witness for the Lord Jesus Christ in, in our nation's capital? Well, I would say the first response to me in that culture is um, just to be courteous. First off, if you come out and say hello and say something like that, and you've got somebody pinned down, they will be courteous. They will not be rude. It will cost them too much. So it, they will gain by being courteous. So they'll be that way. But they have to know that you care about them and that you're not a weirdo. (laughs) DC is filled with weirdos. And these are socially unacceptable. And and if I could be a little bit crass and blunt, they're, they're just people that can't succeed anywhere. And so they're, they're here and they're, whatever they do, they're going to make a bad name of it. Okay. So now I think all of us have, teetered on the edge of being that way none of us should stay that way we should <laughs> sure. own our mistakes and say i am never going to be such a fool <laughs> again 
and be the best ambassador that we can possibly be in every way. I believe that in every way that we possibly, possibly can, we should exceed the rest of society. In our speech, in our dress, in our manners, in uh, our genuine love for other people, sure. in our knowledge of the situation. Yeah. Which, it, Christians, we will vacillate from one end of this to the other. We'll just jump from one ditch to the next. And one is, we'll get a little interested in politics and find them toxic <laughs> and then we will detox by turning it off and now we know nothing we're totally detached and if we ever interact with anybody what are we going to talk about there's nothing to talk about the only thing we can say is all corruption it's a swamp i don't want anything to do with it and that's not a good thing the right thing is to be focused on the lord to know what's going on but not to be swayed by it, not to allow it to sink our ship. But I know enough to carry on an intelligent conversation and to weave eternal truth into it. Sure. And that's what I find the secret is, to be, to be genuine, to be kind, and all of that will get you nowhere, except for when there's an emergency, when there's some situation then you'll get a little traction. And if you can be in the know, but still not being overwhelmed by the negative knowledge and have hope in Christ, you'll help somebody. And good news travels fast. Sure, sure. So what? how has the, how's the work of Graceway Baptist Church uh, progressed? You're, you're approaching the seventh anniversary of the church. As this January, the seventh anniversary, and we are so excited. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, of course, it it hasn't always been up, 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 and up. You you <laughs> you've had some. You've yeah. had a few steps forward, and, and and even at times a few more steps back. Yes. Uh, walk us through just a little bit of that, uh, if you would. The progress over the our over initial the start was quick. We started quick. I came in with high hopes. My pastor had told me. You get in there, and God probably has somebody waiting for you. So I came in with a fistful of tracks and a heart full of hope, and I was just, I knew right around the corner, I've got this family, and they're waiting for me. I'm looking for them. They're going to look for me. And Man, I didn't find those people. I, <laughs> I'm still looking for them. Um, but what we did find was a bunch of young men, and that was at Marine Barracks, Washington. Lots of young Marine, young Marines and we started meeting together. We started playing softball together, and um, I would invite them over to the house. And we grew one one particular Sunday. We our high day. We had fifty two Marines. Wow! And so it was, it was a very unique church. Right? <laughs> and and then we had some other people that were coming. And <clears throat> the the shocker and one of the big downers was all fifty two, well, fifty one of those fifty two left at the end of two years. Oh, wow. One of those Marines, Nick, signed up and stayed another two years and just helped us. And and that's what God does. He always brings one more and one more. And it's usually when I reach over here, God sends somebody over there. And then I reach over there and God sends somebody over here. And that's what we're seeing. If we'll be faithful and reach, right. reach, reach, right. God sends. And God's the one that builds the church. Yes. Now, we work in labor. And God builds the church. 
when I'm hammering over here, God's supplying over there. Yeah, and that's 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 doing the work by faith too. We've yeah. got to trust Him to do the work. And just plow our row and do what He expects us to do on a given day. And, and that's it. He's the Lord of the harvest. He, he oh, can send yeah. the harvest in His time. Amen. Well, what are some of the some of the successes? Maybe maybe um, some some outstanding highlights of the fruit that God's allowed you to see. Every field is difficult, yeah. but DC is. Wow, it's a it's a unique place. So what 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 uh, what could you tell us? What are some of the what are some of the gains? Some 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 outstanding successes that stick out in your mind. So when I every one of these little successes that God brings, they God orchestrates them in such a way that I that no man can get credit, and God just does these these beautiful things. Um, just a couple weeks ago where I was preaching in Atlanta and sitting in my seat and somebody came late and I had the aisle seat and and there was an older gentleman and I gave him my aisle seat and I moved over and and I introduced myself and he introduced himself and he's a federal judge a chief federal judge wow and I talked to him about the Lord and about the Bible and the work there in DC and he was very very curious so I invited him to church, and he came. <laughs> and I invited him out to lunch. And we went out to lunch, and we talked for four hours. Oh, wow. And he came back, and he came back, and he came back. And actually, we're here at this missions conference now, and I missed church uh, last night. He came to church last night. <laughs> and so God does things like that over and over and over again. When we were setting up, as America, we were setting up our embassy in Israel, moving it, well, we were talking about moving it from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And every president has uh, promised that and talked about it, but then, surprise, surprise, found out the complex, controversial nature of it. And so President Trump was was asking different denominations and groups what they thought, and uh, Vice President Pence was meeting with most of these people and then getting the results and passing them on. So a highlight was uh, getting called in by Vice President Pence, and he said, now, what do the independent Baptists think? And I had the privilege of explaining, this is where we stand, and this is talking about missions and New Guinea and the church plant and all these things. So just incredible opportunities to meet these people. And here's what you... The surprising thing to me, I've always heard these are just regular people, but then you think, no, no, I've watched them on TV. That's not regular. They're regular. They're absolutely regular. When Speaker Ryan was uh, in office, they were Speaker of the House. My kids were were babysitting for some different members of Congress and and uh, <clears throat> when they were still younger teenagers before they got jobs in Congress now. And... Um, you know, Speaker Ryan was eating, and, and he dripped sauce all over his suit, and and, and he was actually licking it off of his, <laughs> of his lapel just before he did an interview on TV. And then my kids are there, so you got something right there on your hands. <laughs> and, and just little, very human, yeah. everyday occurrences that we think, no, that would never happen. There's probably five handlers that would take, no, 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 it's just... Real people. Real people with 
real normal problems. Well, I guess that's that's one of at least one of the important takeaways from this conversation between you and I. You made the comment um, in in the conference that we're in uh, this week. I heard you say that you've you've found that uh, that that people in D.C. are like people in New Guinea, and yes. uh, people are people. People are people, and but but the gospel works. Yeah, the gospel is the power of God to all of those. It doesn't right. matter the, the the culture. It doesn't matter the socioeconomic standing. Uh, the gospel works. So going forward, what's your you, you're obviously very enthused, excited about the about the work. What's the vision for for the future of Graceway? Um, where where do you where do you see the church headed? The philosophy that I have embraced is the preacher fills the pulpit. And the people fill the church. Amen. So my primary job is to pray and to preach and to personally talk to people that are close to salvation. Is to feed the sheep, feed the sheep, feed the lambs. And to bring people into maturity. So that is my philosophy and my focus. One of my goals is to preach through the whole Bible. I want to preach through the whole Bible. This year, I have focused on Isaiah. This Sunday, I'll be preaching Isaiah 57. And I won't preach every verse, but the, the major thrust of every chapter, I want people to, to understand and to get. And that has been... The, the thrill of my life is to study the Word of God and understand it. Sure. And there are companion verses and chapters as we cross-reference, and the Bible will always explain itself in difficult passages. But I believe that the Bible is to be just read and studied and believed and prayed over and explained and brought to... Um, the very front of the mindset of the New Guinean or the member of Congress in D.C. And it's really the same. Yes. It's really the same. So um, to to simplify it and maybe shrink it down and then exp- expand it to its its full size and then and then maybe apply it. This is this is how it applies to me. I had this experience. I did this. And, and maybe you had that experience, but this is how it fits. And, and so that is one of my goals, is I intend to preach through the Bible and maybe not every single verse, but every chapter and every major concept in a natural flow, just the way it's written, just the way it's preserved. It's right there in front of you. This is what it means. Well, I know you won't, uh, you won't take this the wrong way. That's not a... That's not a sophisticated objective. The the sinners in D.C. need the gospel, and saints in D.C. need a Bible preaching church. <laughs> Just the word of God. It's not. Just uh, the word it's, of it's God. not. It's it's two thousand years old. This program. That's it. <laughs> Brother Brad, I really appreciate you taking the time to to have this conversation, squeezing it in. I, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it, and I think that it's going to be a a help and a blessing to us. I have, I have loved just remembering it and verbalizing it with you and all of your wonderful listeners and thank you for listening to us as we have been able to talk and hopefully it provided more clarity 
for each one of you. I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation with Pastor Brad Wells. The work of missions not only takes us to unreached people groups among jungle-dwelling tribes in Papua New Guinea, it also sends us to the marble halls of Congress in affluent, educated Washington, D.C. The field is the world, and there is nowhere on earth that we can go that doesn't have needy sinners for whom Christ died. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of the Wells family and Graceway Baptist Church, you can visit the church's website at gracewaydc.com. Thanks for tuning in to the program. You can subscribe to this program on a number of different podcasting applications. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond and wherever we're found right now.